Welcome, Pod. I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And this is the Mocha SMC podcast. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We are two Black single mothers by choice, unpacking the reality of what it's like to be a Black single mother by choice, as well as provide information and resources to women who are considering this path. So this week, we have a very special guest host, Safara. She's joining us to discuss the important and complex topic of known donors. All right. So in previous episodes, Aisha and I have spoken at length about the process of finding an anonymous donor through traditional sperm banks, but we wanted to bring you on today on this special episode to discuss other ways women are approaching the SMC path. And since neither Aisha nor I use a known donor, we invited Safara as our subject matter expert to speak on what this was like for her and unpack her journey for our listeners. So Safara, can you tell our audience a little about yourself, where you are on this path and where you are on the mothering journey? Okay. I'm Safara. I am a 28-year-old single mom by choice to a almost eight-month-old boy. I used a known donor. I'm a doula. I'm a newborn care specialist. And... Yeah, I moved from the West Coast to the Midwest with him when I was pregnant, and I've been here ever since. Awesome. Let's go ahead and let's get into this. Now, using a known donor, what are some of the different ways that you know of that women can go about finding a known donor? Yeah, so there's a few different avenues that you can go down. There's whether it be, you know, you have a friend of a friend, a close friend of yours, someone that you met a long time ago, or then there's the websites like there's Facebook groups, there's forums online, there's apps. I personally chose to use an app. Um, That's just where I found the perfect donor for me. So that's just what I went with. Okay, so... Let's back up a little bit. All right. So there are these websites and Facebook groups. Are there things that you would recommend the SMCs to be looked for when choosing either a Facebook group, a website, or an app? Are there specific things that they should look for, be on the lookout for? What might be a red flag? As far as donors go, I kind of spent a long time just sitting back and looking at their interactions with other people who were interested in working with them, interested in just seeing what they're looking for. Like they'll have their bio, for example, on the app and they'll kind of put about, sometimes they'll put about them. They have varying degrees of like information that they share. So I was always looking out for people who were serial donors. I didn't personally want someone who had 20 offspring out there. And I was looking for people who were doing this for reasons that didn't sit well with me. So those are my two main things personally. Okay. And then on the websites versus the apps, what would you want to look for in terms of determining if it's a reputable site or app or, you know, if it's a real thing? Right. I mean, the ones that I came across, there's really no way to know. It's not like it's regulated. You don't have to be verified. And that's kind of the sketchy part is like you could be talking to anybody claiming to be anybody. So it's really just up to the individual to do their due diligence as far as like getting to know that donor when you first start talking and making sure, you know, it's a real person and, you know, it's not a catfish. 
So when you first started, I mean, as you were going through this process, did you come across any donors that you were initially interested in? And then all of a sudden you were like, Ooh, no. (laughs) Yeah, there was a few. So I had a really long span of time where I was just talking to donors. I think it was probably nine months to a year that I was just talking to donors. Um, Well, that sounds like it's, you know, a good way to, you know, at least you're not like hopping in and like finding the first one that you see, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. My donor ended up being like the first person, but I talked to like a lot of others and like really deeply considered a lot of others before coming back to him and being like, no, like this one just feels right. So give us some of the horror stories, right? Like obviously we don't want, we don't like like names of donors because we're not like, but at the same time, like I'm curious as to Mm -hmm. how that works out. Yeah. I mean, there's always the ones that just like have weird things to say. Like they want to have intercourse, for example. There are some that like want to ask for a few too many pictures of you because I didn't put my picture on my profile. And then there was this guy who seemed really normal. He seemed fine. He had all the attributes that I was looking for and then disappeared. And I was like, okay, that's weird. weird. And then comes back like a month or two later, like, Hey, I want to do NI, which is natural insemination intercourse. And I was like, uh, no. And he's like, okay. And like disappears again. (laughs) Oh, that's a red flag. So, I mean, I know some women are interested in doing that because, Mm -hmm. you know, that if that's your jam, then awesome. (laughs) Um, I do think that it's important to mention that doing NI, you still want to make sure you go find an attorney because Mm -hmm. there may be some legal ramifications for that because it's basically essentially your word against his as to whether or not he intended to be a father or donor. Whereas Mm -hmm. if somebody is actually donating and natural insemination is not part of the program, I would imagine it would be like easier to kind of explain, well, if we were in a relationship, we would have, you know, Mm -hmm. consummated the relationship. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. Awesome. So prior to this chat, we talked a little bit about some questions, like a handy resource you had that was basically a list of questions for women that they should consider asking their known donor prior to making the decision. So I wanted to go through some of these questions with our listeners and have a little bit of chat about why one would ask this question and whether or not it was important to you, Safara. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one is, are you interested in being my known donor? Obviously, this is something that has to come out. But then if so, why? So Mm -hmm. this one seems pretty straightforward because he either is willing to do it or he's not. But the thing I think is super interesting here is like asking them really, why are you donating? So did this come up during your conversations and what sorts of things did you hear from the men? Yeah, it's actually, you would imagine that the first question would be obvious, but really there were certain times when they were kind of interviewing me to make sure like, is this the person that I want to help have a child? So yeah, there were a lot of guys, they wanted to know my educational background and they wanted to know if I'm financially stable, if I have family support. Because I think I'd feel the same way if I was donating eggs. Like, where are my eggs going? That's just something that I was thinking about. And then the second part of the question was, like, why are you doing this? Yeah, a lot of some people. So that was like red flags that I was looking out for. Some people had this weird, it turned them on, like the idea of like impregnating a woman. Or they wanted to see their genes live on through someone or you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. A lot of people were doing it because like other donors do it because they see other people that struggle with infertility and they want to help out because they're like, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, I can do this. I was looking for altruism for sure. (laughs) 
Okay. And that seems on par with what you get with the sperm bank interaction, right? They interview the donors. They ask some of the questions are around, why are you doing this? You know, and I think some of the moms have fallen in love, quote unquote, with the audio interview, with the write-up interview. I know for my bank, I didn't get the audio, but I did read what was written, what the responses were to those questions. So definitely was along the same lines of looking for someone who was doing it for what I thought was, you know, an altruistic reason, the right Mm -hmm. reason, like, you know, I want to help women who are looking to create a family. So yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because it reminds me of like interview questions, right? Because there's some interview questions that people ask and like, there's a right answer, you know, (laughs) so (laughs) it almost like doesn't always test like bear true intentions and more of that, how much savvy they have to answer the question, right? Like, (laughs) for example, one of the questions I ask in an interview is like, when's the last time you received feedback? What was it? And like, how did you respond? And like, Uh it's interesting that many people don't want to reveal anything negative about themselves. Uh But the people who are like the most savvy at interviews are able to find something that like, doesn't show that they're a bad employee, but shows that they like have the ability to be introspective. So I always think it's really interesting, you know, how donors will answer those questions. But I love the fact that you took so long to decide because I think it is a super important decision, obviously. And I think sometimes the fact that, you know, I would imagine the fact that this is a known donor and somebody that you actually could potentially be in contact with for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life, at least in some fashion, you know, it makes it a little bit trickier, you know, well, as as for that. me, like part of it was that not just that, but the fact that my child would be in contact with this person, whether they're a minor or until they turn 18, either way, they're going to have, have some contact with this person. And yeah, that was really important for me to have that positive influence if it came to that. Right. So we're going to get into the other four questions, but was there a particular question that really stood out for you that would help you to figure out that this is the right one? This is the one? Um, and it could be something not on the list, like maybe right. you thought that they didn't include it. Right. For me, I think my first two questions to everybody was always what their experience and what their expectations have been um, going into it. Because I want to hear what the perspectives of other women in this have been really is telling, you know, if they have nothing but negative things to say about the woman that they've worked with, then that's a big red flag. If they expect to have more contact than I'm willing to do, or they're like really set in contact or no contact rather than being flexible. I think the flexibility aspect was really big for me. So the next question that they asked was, please reflect and describe how you think becoming a known donor will impact our relationship. So I think this Mm -hmm. is essentially a question that assumes that you know the person, like you have an existing relationship. So my question here so far is that, did you consider anybody that you had an existing relationship with and why or why not did you like move forward with that particular Mm -hmm. type of relationship? Yeah, I actually had a friend from like many years ago. I think I met him when I was like, maybe fresh out of high school, I met this guy and he was really cool. And I asked him to be my known donor and it just ended up not working out. I don't think his heart was really in it. I think he was saying yes, because I was his friend (laughs) and, you know, not because it was like really what he was called to do. So it just didn't end up working out with us. Yeah, that makes total sense. So Aisha, did you ever consider any friends 
<laughs> or I did. <laughs> I did. You know, I went through from point zero all the way up the road. I must have stopped at every point along the way of my SNC journey. So I did consider two friends. One friend I considered at the beginning of my journey before I was really set on doing this by myself. And then another friend I consulted at the end of my thinking phase. And it kind of solidified for me that this was the right path for me. And so the way it went with the first friend was, I'm thinking about doing this thing, you know, called have a baby on my own. And I'd like you to be the donor, but you don't have to have any part. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. (laughs) Did you actually say I'm thinking about doing this thing called I think I'm having a baby on my own? It was like 2013. <laughs> this is, I'm pulling from memory, but okay, it, okay. it pretty much said, you know, I'm thinking about having a baby on my own. You, I don't want you to be involved or feel pressured, but I'd like for you to be the donor. I think you're a good person. And, you know, basically, why don't you take two weeks to think about it and then get back to me? And if you don't get back to me, then I assume that that's a no. So <laughs> he did not get back to me. Um, but, you know, it was okay because I buffered, protected myself a little bit. And so then kind of went about trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then the second friend I asked was at the end of my journey about potentially being a donor. And he was just way excited. Now, he was someone who was interested in dating me. But when I was like, yeah, I don't want a relationship. I just want you to do this. And so he was getting excited and he was talking about the things that he would do with the kid. And inside of me, I felt like because I'm still kind of on the fence. But inside of me, I felt a tug that's just like, I don't want to do that. And so that's how I knew that the path that uh, the SNC was for me, because I just didn't want anybody else to partner with me on this. And I didn't want anybody else to be a part of it. So yeah, I did. Did you? So I had two friends that I never like asked anyone. I shared it with people that were close to me. And I had two friends who offered. One of them was a guy that I think was trying to date me. And at the time, I was just not dateable, right? I was going through a lot. And I also sensed, I mean, for him, he was like, well, you want a baby? I want a baby. Let's make a baby together. And I was just like, yeah, but like, you're not hearing me. I don't actually want to co-parent with anyone. And so I think what's hard is both of them probably felt as though I was rejecting them as people. And I think for me, it was more that I didn't want the relationship to change, but, you know, I didn't want my friendship with them to change. And with the second guy, I think he genuinely just wanted to help me, but I love him too much as a friend to have any weirdness arise because there's misunderstanding about what the relationship or anything like that. So I respectfully said no (laughs) and, and didn't decide to go that path. So the next question is, are you willing to get tested for STDs? So we talked to some banks about what they do if you know someone decides to do a known donor and it is possible to go in and use a sperm bank without using the anonymous sperm or open id sperm that they have available with the bank we're going to have more discussions with the banks in the future but i wanted to ask you safara like is this a topic that's being discussed in known donor forums is it awkward to kind of ask the donor like hey do you have papers and do you have any tips to help other women protect themselves Yeah, I think it should always be discussed, of course, because you don't know this person. And even if you do, you still don't know like who they've been with and who they've been with. But I think 
I don't know, this might be just like the former New Yorker in me, but I just ask everything very straight up and I don't apologize for it. I think when you make it awkward and you make it like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to ask this, then that makes it worse. I think you just got to be like, okay, here's what I need from you. And if you're with it, cool. And if not, like, let me move to the next donor because there's not a shortage. You know what I mean? Right. Just rip off the Band-Aid and be like, so... I (laughs) I need your papers and then I need your papers again in three months for an updated HIV test because... You know, sometimes it takes three months to show up. Is there an understanding with a lot of these donors as far as like being celibate when you're actually donating? Or is that like only a thing if they're going to a traditional sperm bank? Well, with my donor, at least I could ask him anything. And he was very open with that. I was like, by the way, don't consume dairy because it hurts your sperm count. I'm not consuming dairy because it hurts your uterine lining. So and he was like, okay, got it. Thanks. And he like sent me a link for like some fertility tea. So like we just had a very, yeah, it was really nice. We have like, yeah, we have like a very open relationship where we could just like ask anything of each other. I do have questions because this is one area that is real um, sensitive to, um, for me, the um, STD. And so I know from just being in the SMC spaces for a while that there are a number of different ways that you can go about getting the STD test. You mentioned, take the test, give me your results, then come back three months later with the results. You can also go to a clinic and have the clinic do the whole STD, STI panel and collect the specimen and store it and quarantine it and all of that. So what are some other ways? Like, do people go with their known donor? Because I'm always skeptical of, don't just give me a piece right. of paper with a date stamp on it, right? And it's like, do, <laughs> yeah, do some point. people like make a date? We're going to go right. and you know, get right. tested. Well, I know that there's like some ways that you can get your results in a forum, like in a my chart situation, and they can give you the login. So that's an option too. Like you can log in and oh, see, you click on test results and you see when the test was administered. So that's an option as well. Cause I'm the same. I'm just like, I can type up a paper too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just change the date next time. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So one of the critical questions that I came about was the question where you ask the donor, please describe what type of relationship you'd expect to have with the child. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like variations of the same question in the document. And the thing that I found really interesting is that some of the questions are like, you know, do you expect the child to have your last name, which to me is almost like borderline dad and not donor. So how did you approach the boundaries talk with your donor? And what are your thoughts on this particular question? Yeah, I mean, for me, I just kind of, again, laid it all out on the table. I was like, this is what I plan to do with my child. This is what it's going to be. This is my child in every way. Nobody else is. You're contributing. He has the distant uncle title. So it's not like (laughs) Mm -hmm. anything that's too involved. And then as far, yeah, so like in every way, like imagine who would be on the birth certificate if you didn't have a partner at all, which I don't know if you didn't have a known donor. It's the same. That's how we went about it. Okay. That we've talked about this before about the definition of a single mom by choice is somebody who intends on being a single mom from jump basically. And many people say that also means like without the support financially of another partner. But I think it's um, important to identify that there's potentially a spectrum here, right? Like Mm -hmm. you could have people who 
obviously have no contact with the donor like myself and Aisha, but then you also have some folks who like Safara mentioned, you know, maybe a distant uncle, the child knows who the person is, uh, potentially sees them, you know, maybe several times a year to some women I think are potentially hoping for a co-parenting situation. How do you guys feel about that and single mothering by choice? Is that still single mother by choice or is that something else? I think it depends. For me, I'm not so much into putting everything into a box. I'm more so do what works for you. And if it just so happens to fall into this category, then it does. But for me, I think it is different when you're in a relationship with the person that is making the baby with you versus your co-parenting. I think that's another thing in itself. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think there are different boundaries with that. Yeah, I think co-parenting is totally different from being an SNC. You have another person that you're considering altogether, like that's altogether a whole other grown mm-hmm. person to consider. So yeah, so for me, I don't see it as an SNC situation, but I do realize that these known donor websites are catering to a larger group of people who are looking to parent and have children and that the SMC experience or designation is just one small piece of that. Whereas you then have to be specific about what you're looking for and perhaps rule people in or rule people out based on, you know, how they might answer these questions or the types of boundaries or relationship that they're looking to have with your child. So yeah, so that's all that I can say and just Speaking from an outsider's perspective, I think it's kind of on a spectrum, but I think, you know, in the SNC experience, it falls real short of co-parenting. Yeah, it definitely is like a, di- a whole different animal. And I think for some, in some ways, it does make life a little bit easier. Like you have that extra set of hands sometimes, you know, if there's something crazy that goes down, there's that person, but also I think part of being an SMC, the beauty of it is you don't have to run your parenting choices by anybody. There was one donor that I had been talking to. We we met up in person and it was so interesting. He wanted to co-parent and I'm like, you know what? Let's talk about it and see what that would look like. So I came to this part (laughs) and I sat down with him and I said, okay, like here's a list of the ways that I'm raising my child and I need you to be okay with all these ways. And he's like... Oh, uh, I mean, that all sounds good, except for this one thing. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to get with it to get lost. Like, basically, what was so what was his sticking point? Like what circumcision. Was... Oh, interesting. So, yeah, like, no. Well, I was like, I'm not if I have a boy, he's not getting circumcised. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the guy was like, well, everybody in my family circumcised. And I'm like, OK, mine, too. But my son's not going to be. Right. And then I find I... it so interesting how men act like you know well just because it happened to me (laughs) it has to happen to someone else it's so interesting like it's interesting that that would be like your sticking point like right right (laughs) and then yeah so I like go home that night and he basically like texts his whole family like and it's just like because I met his family when we met up because I guess he his cousins were over or something I met his cousins but then he's like texting the women in his family, like his aunts, his grandma, his mom. And they were just like, no, that baby needs to be circumcised. Oh, like, no. And this is oh, why. Goodness. 
And I'm like, you know what, if this is going to be the next 18 years, like I'm good on this. Like, this is why I'm choosing (laughs) SMC. Like, I think I just had to have this experience to like solidify the fact that I want to be an SMC a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. See, (laughs) see, see, I think at some point you just know that Mm -hmm. it's the path for you. And sometimes you have to go through Mm -hmm. in order to get on the other side and be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. But see, I think one thing that I really like about what Safara did is that like you were bold about what you weren't going to compromise on. Right. Right. And I think that a potential pitfall I could see for many women is not being comfortable. It's really getting into the nitty gritty about what you won't budge on. Right. Because Mm -hmm. if you hadn't mentioned that, you would have gotten to the point where your son was born. And then there was this huge fight with this dude who expected to co-parent. And that would have been super ugly. I feel like that also goes hand in hand with like, it just reminds me too much of a relationship. Like if I wanted to, to co-parent with someone and go through all these things, like I better at least love you. Like, right. I, right. Better be exactly. I better be getting the good you know? <laughs> out of this. But, but, but you know what, Safara, but that's a good point because for the SMCs to be that are out there listening, you know, that is almost like a best practice in the SMC space for the SMCs who go the known donor path is that when you start to engage in these uncomfortable conversations, that's where the truth kind of gets revealed. And so you have to be brave enough to go into it and have these conversations, like get into the weeds because the devil is in the details, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I want my kid to go to a religious school. And it's like, but I'm an atheist, right? You don't know that until like all kinds of good people walking around in the world with strange predilections about, you know, things and like my kid won't eat strawberries and, you know, things like that. But you won't know until you have the conversation, especially if you have not seen that side of a person. Like I see so many SMCs, there's probably like two or three a week where people are like, I'm going the SMC path, but a friend of mine offered to donate. I wanted to cover at least briefly the topic of legal documentation. So Mm -hmm. when let's say an SMC chooses a known donor and decides like, okay, this is the one he's great. We had the boundary talk. We talked about all these things. We agree on the circumcision or whatever (laughs) have you, or maybe he doesn't care because he's just going to be a donor. What do you do about making sure that you like, he doesn't change his mind afterwards. Right. So you can actually have his rights severed prior to conception which I think is pretty great. That's a great option. So you don't have to worry about it once there's already a child involved. You can go through a lawyer that specializes in these things, which I highly recommend to everybody to do because we're from California where a contract means absolutely nothing. If he were to take me to court and say, I want partial custody, I want visitation, et cetera, Mm -hmm. I would have no ground to stand on with just a contract. So definitely going through a lawyer is super, super important. Yeah. And I will also mention that everyone should make sure that they are up on whatever laws that their particular state follows, because Mm -hmm. state by state, it can be super different. And I know that at least in the state of Maryland, there's a lot of stuff related to, let's say you get in a situation where you would need any sort of public assistance in the future, they will actually not accept that there is a donor unless there is very clear 
legal paperwork documenting such before they allow you to pursue that. They will actually look for the person. So if you had a known donor, they would contact that person for child mm-hmm. support. And if you're a guy who's paying child support, that also is, you know, the questions of establishing paternity and having access to the child and also decision-making comes into play. So I think it's really important for everyone to make sure that they have that covered if that is the path that you choose to take. I do have a question because I did have a, an interesting interaction. And so, Safari, when you say have the contract, like, you know, okay, so you have a contract. I'm assuming that it's a contract you get notarized, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming you did this, right? Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you went to the notary? And, you know, they have to read <laughs> over the doctor. because Right. I did something similar. So I'll share, you know, what my experience was, but what was your experience like? And, you know, the look. Personally, I don't know. Like, I just don't know that I care enough to like pay attention to what other people are like looking at me about. Cause I don't know, like I'm like covered in tattoos and like have my hair really <laughs> short. So at this point, I'm just like, people won't stare regardless. I don't know. <laughs> as far as like, you gonna, you gonna notarize this or what? Right? No, I don't. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I had to do. Right. So her and I talked a lot about, you know, some of the conversations we're going to have with the kids and theoretical conversations and things that you're doing in your head are different than taking a gulp of air and going and actually doing it. Right. And so I had to get the passport for my daughter and this is my first time around. So I'm thinking like, it was unclear. Did I need to get a notarized letter or did I not? And so I'm like, let me, air on the side of go ahead and get it notarized. So I got to get it notarized and, you know, typed it out, whatever. So the guy who has to sign is like reading over the document. He's like, uh-huh. And so he looks at me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, so you're talking about Stamp it and sign it, you know? And so, yeah, so definitely one for the books. <laughs> So one thing I can relate to, I mean, I certainly did not sit with the known donor idea for very long because of my previous situation, but I think what is probably one of the hardest things for me about choosing an anonymous donor is that conversation of who's your daddy, right? Because... I had a pretty awkward situation. Like it's an ongoing sort of awkward conversation with my girls about it because when your kid is like, well, who's my daddy? And they know biologically that there's a dude involved, right? That's Mm -hmm. like what they learn in science, right? So when you're like, well, I've never really met the person, it almost sounds like you just went to a bar and like picked up somebody, right? And so Mm -hmm. unless you're like going into the nitty gritty of like, you know, how sperm meets an egg, which like not every kid is ready for, at like two Mm -hmm. or three when they start asking the question. I think it's challenging when you use an anonymous donor because you don't actually have like a person to point to. Is this something that sort of factored into your decision at all, Safara? Yeah, I think that was like the main thing for me was my kid is going to have questions about, you know, do I have the same attributes as this person? Do I sit like them? Do I do this weird thing with my whatever? Because that's what they do. Like, it's so funny. Like I watched my dad and my brother, they haven't had a relationship in so many years, but they came together and like, they sit the same and they talk the same and they like move their eyebrows the same. And I wanted my kid to have those answers and like that connection. That was my base reason for for why I chose a known donor. Yeah, it didn't factor in. For me, because I think I had been 
in the SMC spaces long enough to know, one, that a lot of these kids look like their mothers, but also I was okay having the conversation like, you know, we're a mom and kid family. I used a donor, you know, even at the young age, like you have a donor, you know, I've had the conversation with my girls and we'll sit down and talk about if they want to talk about features and things like that, that I would talk about features. It's an ongoing talk. For sure. I think no matter if you use an anonymous donor or a known donor, we are certainly going to be having many interesting conversations with our kids surrounding who's your daddy? Why'd you make this decision? Why'd you make this decision? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why did you choose the donor that you chose? I always joke with my daughters and I say that they are genetically chosen, which I know just like sounds like a complete ridiculous, like me just being a total jerk. But I was like, if I can choose, (laughs) I'm going to try to choose like wisely. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So before we conclude the episode, I first want to thank you so much, Safara, for joining us. And I also wanted to take a moment to say Safara is not only a mom, but she also is a businesswoman. Can you tell us a little bit about what your business is and maybe how people can find you? Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm a doula and I'm a newborn care specialist. So a lot of what I do is helping women prepare, women and just families in general, prepare for being pregnant and giving birth and going through postpartum and having a new baby. So through that, since we're in COVID, I do this virtually. And if anyone wants to connect with me, they can just email me directly, Cooper at gmail.com, and they can just chat with me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, Pod, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you, Safara, so much for sharing your journey with us and helping our listeners understand a little bit more about the known donor path. If you like what you heard, please share us with your friends, your family, anyone th- who you think might love our podcast, and follow us on Facebook at Mocha SMC Podcast, on Twitter at Mocha SMC, or on our website at mochasmc.com, and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you consume podcasts from. Until next time, we are the Mocha SMC.